What's up guys, it's Evan and we're back with another episode of the Super Secret Film Cast. Chris isn't with us today, but we're talking to Dan and Dana from Gnarly Bay, which is an awesome production company located in Westerly, Rhode Island. Uh, so not too far from me, I've really admired their work for a long time. They do some incredible stuff. Their new demo reel is so good. You need to go to their website, go to their Vimeo, just watch some of their stuff. They make really good work and I'm excited for you to hear our conversation as we talk about sort of navigating a career in production, picking which projects you do, passion projects and finding brands that align with the kind of work you want to make. It's a really good conversation and it was so good that we kept going way past our time limit and we had to split it into two parts. So you're going to get the second part of this one very soon. Part one's coming out today. Before we get into that, I have some exciting news in that I have two messages from sponsors for you guys. That's right, we got sponsors. We're gonna keep this quick, but they're two brands that I've been using, really love what they're doing, and think you guys might be interested to know more about them. The first one is Core Group. If you follow me on Instagram or YouTube, you may have seen the recent video where I talked about some of the troubles that I've had with taxes. It's been a constant thorn in my side, waiting till the end of the year, trying to keep track of expenses and receipts, and then owing the IRS a whole bunch of money that I didn't expect. That can be a big pain in the butt, and I've seen people get buried under payment plans and just the stress of it all. I finally decided I had to do something about it and moved off of QuickBooks Online, which I was horrible at managing myself anyway, and over to Core Group. Core has made everything simpler for me. They have answered all my questions about expenses, write-offs, and switching from a sole proprietor over to forming an LLC, making an S-Corp election, and this may be too technical for you, and that's fine. They help you with that, but I'm saving thousands of dollars on my taxes already. If that's something that's interesting to you, you can click the link in the description of this episode to go schedule a discovery call and get more information with Core Group. They're fantastic. You're not going to regret it. Again, click the link in the description to go check out Core Group, their accountants and bookkeepers who can help you finally get rid of all the stress you can deal with with taxes and bookkeeping. Our second sponsor today is Assemble. You may have heard of Assemble. They've been running some campaigns online and Assemble is a very cool new software platform. It actually comes up in our conversation with Dan and Dana as a tool that they've been using. It's something I've been using and the best way I could explain it is if Google Docs and your calendar and Frame.io and everything all had a baby with like a CRM and they have basically made a production software which allows you to manage projects, clients, deadlines, which stages of a pro uh, project you're at, any pre-production assets, plans for casting and locations, and it's really something that small productions can actually use to help keep everything really organized. I had looked into some other products like Monday and Copper and Studio Binder before and nothing really felt like a good fit for the kind of work I was doing and Assemble is a tool that finally helps. If you're interested in checking out Assemble, you can go to assemble.tv or click the link below. We have a discount code for our listeners, which gives you your first month free, no strings attached. You can go check it out, see if you like it. If it's helpful, you can get a membership. And if it's not, didn't cost you anything. To get that first month free with Assemble, your discount code is SSFC, Super Secret Filmcast, as an acronym. So again, that's assemble.tv or the link below. Use coupon code SSFC. C, super secret film cast. That's it. Those are our sponsor messages today. We're going to get right into our conversation with Dan and Dana, and I will see you guys again next week.
we, we try to bring in projects as best as possible or, or side projects that can kind of feed everybody in a creative and, and fun and energetic way because at the end of the day it's our this is our career you know and, and it's it's like 80 percent of our time and all of our our team's time is put to, towards this we want to make sure it's as enjoyable as possible and I think behind the scenes, Dan and I carry that, <laughs> the burden of trying to make that happen in our heads, you know, with the sleepless nights and all that. But we, we continue to do that to ourselves just to try to make, try to create an environment in a, in a company that's uh, as enjoyable as possible, you know, that's, that's yeah. the goal at least. Yeah. So how do you guys like with where you're at now, how do you think about goals because i feel like people have big goals little goals they have desired end states you know some of that's uh narrative features some of that's national broadcast stuff some of that's a certain team size some of that's revenue like how do you guys look at like where you want to be and if you're where you should be at any given point um that's a good question i mean we we try every year to um at the end of the year to kind of set up a list of team goals like company goals that are short-term and long-term that constantly are getting reset and updated every year. And uh, um, I believe this last year, you know, our goal, I could probably bring them up, but, you know, some one of our goals was to kind of get involved in the community more and, and to have more community involvement. Um, another goal was to kind of steer the ship more towards uh, series development trying to do, um, you know, whether that be featured documentary or, or um, series, documentary series that can kind of land on, on Netflix or Hulu. Um, and then on top of that, we just wanted, the, the biggest goal that we set out was to just slightly steer the ship again and just do more meaningful, impactful work. And that was kind of like a North Star that we put at the beginning of this year, just um, trying to kind of put our powers to use, you know, where we feel like we can tell stories and um, we feel like we can strike emotion and and maybe hopefully inspire people to, to move and act in a certain way. And so we definitely put that North Star up there company wide. Like we're looking for stories. We're looking for people and interesting um, projects that we can bring to life that help kind of help make that happen. And just basically either put a positive message out into the world or or help shed light on, you know, a part of the world that that maybe people aren't too aware of and, and need some some light shed on. That's so that's cool. kind of, that's, that's a, in a nutshell, I don't know if you want to add to that, Dan, but. Yes, as far as goals, and we actually wrote them, wrote them down for the first time ever, you know, like actually in a PDF yeah. and made a mission statement document because we had gotten asked that question over the years from, you know, uh, from, from people who, you know, collaborators and people who work here and people who might want to work here, like basically what's your five-year, 10-year sort of goal and i think we were always kind of operating like you know like maybe two weeks out you know instead of thinking five five years out um and so for the first time we kind of put that into a document which i think was like a great exercise because it started it did make us like question ourselves what like what we really actually want to do and where, where we want to go so that was that was a good exercise I don't know, I, you know, it would probably evolve weekly, but, you know, I think we have a pretty firm grasp on it, you know? Yeah. That well, makes a lot of sense. At least we've broadcasted that we have a firm grasp on it, which I think is also well, important that was something, for the whole team I, I think the to reason kind it of took be us... like, oh, these guys actually kind of know what they're doing. And, you know, I think that <laughs> it's important for us to, 
to feel like we know what we're doing, we know what we're doing now, so that the whole team can kind of feel like they're on a good ride, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that I think, makes a I lot think of sense. the reason that we finally wrote it down, I mean, because Dan and I kind of building this company and trying to, you know, figuring everything out along the way, we always had everything kind of like this innate understanding of where we were, the health of the company, what we were working on. It was always like locked up in our heads and we'd have these long conversations trying to like hash out plans and strategy and maneuvers. And, and we realized that as our team grew, we, we weren't properly communicating that to the rest of the team. So, yeah, so you know, come out really defining what our mission statement is, our, our, you know, our company goals and all that for the first time was pretty refreshing actually. And I think pretty helpful. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I feel like I've been playing with, and it sounds like some of where you guys are is like, I feel like throughout my career, I've had these like sort of momentary goals of like things I wanted to accomplish. Um, and I ran into this situation where like I kept checking those off and then just sort of getting frustrated almost that it was like, okay, you sort of hit the mountaintop and then there's always another mountaintop. Um, and I feel like the, one of the things that I've been thinking through lately is like defining success as like a state to be in instead of like a momentary achievement, you know, that's like, there's this bandwidth of almost like thriving and that, you know, has to do with who I'm working for, the kind of work I'm doing, how my personal life is going, like my health, my mental health, and that if all those things are together in a way that's relatively balanced, that that is success more than like a million views on YouTube or, you know, whatever else, getting a staff pick or some of the funny things that earlier on were part of the the goal list. Um, and that's where like, I think that like doing meaningful work is such a cool goal compared to like doing, I don't know, getting to use a techno crane. Like not that there's anything wrong with those sorts of goals, but I think a lot of us, at least for myself, like those have been goals at various points and they're just very shallow for me once you get them, you know, it's like, oh, well that was fun for five seconds. And when I look back at things that have been like meaningful projects, it's like that stuff lasts so much longer and is so much more satisfying, which is one of the things that's like, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to, to uh, talk to you guys is like, you have this, skill for making stuff that I think is just really meaningful and puts being meaningful above a lot of the the flash that I think comes with our industry. And so like a, a small example of that to me is Rambo Day. I've watched Rambo Day so many times and I show it to people all the time and I cry every time. I cannot watch that video without crying. And it's like, as a DP, it's not a cinematography real type piece, but just as a something meaningful, it's so good. And so yeah. like, I'm curious for you guys, like in your journey, like how, how do you navigate that, you know, in a world where everyone's trying to put out bigger budgets, more, you know, here's our production infrastructure, here's our team. I feel like you guys have really, it feels like you've prioritized meaningful work over a lot of that stuff and over big client lists in logos and all that sort of things. So like, how do you guys think about meaningful work and what you put out? And that's, I mean, that piece is the kind of thing that could have just been something for friends and you guys, right? Like it didn't have to be a gnarly bay thing, but you were put it out under your business. And how do you, how do you think about that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think I think that in general that video has led to so many things and you know when you when you do something like that you're not aiming for it to to you know to lead to to new work or new clients or or anything like that. It was just kind of something it was like a seed of an idea that just sort of kept sprouting and sort of 
got bigger and bigger and we got more friends involved and like it just became bigger and bigger until I think it was pretty late in the process that we were like, oh, we, we definitely got to film this. So then then pulling in the resources that we're lucky enough to have, meaning like, um, you know, uh, the uh, like the people that work work here to come and spend a day running around in the woods with us and our friends to capture it and then spend weeks, if not months of company time to cut it. You know, you, you do kind of look back and you're like, well, you know, it is primarily the audience is our friends, you know, but at the same time, putting something out there that's um, that's just generally positive and has this like kind of like amazing ode to friendship is a valuable thing. And then it also from like a client perspective somehow has allowed like just good it's like a good conversation starter it's like oh i saw that video and like it shows that we at least like like what we do and we're passionate about capturing things and presenting them in a cool way so i think it's like hard to hard to quantify the value of something like that um you know i don't even know what the dollar amount was associated with with that whole <laughs> extravaganza but it probably wasn't small and um <laughs> You know, and and I think that that's the way historically we've we've approached it, where it's just like we just want to make something good, and we might rob Peter to pay Paul, sort of thing. Like we might use some of our commercial budgets to sort of trickle into these other little projects, um, and it's always kind of paid dividends in some weird way, and we don't even exactly know how to quantify that. Um, and well, I don't even cool know if it, it makes sense to qu try to quantify, you know, it's just something that innately we feel like is important, you know? Yeah. I think, I think from a, like from a purely from a client perspective or a potential client perspective, the, the best thing something like that does is it attracts like-minded individuals. So you may, a producer right. may see it or, you know, a creative director from some sort of agency and they may have, you know, a client that has nothing to do with what that film was. Um, but it's still, they see that it, it stirs something inside them and they're just like, man, I, I just want to work with these guys just purely on a, on a, just because I, on a vibe level, I think I'd get along with these, them and their crew and they seem like they have fun. So I think putting that out there is a really good way to, to, we always, we always say steer the ship. Um, right. it, it's, it's like, it's like the, to move the Titanic, it's tiny little adjustments and, um, we're, we're always thinking like, is whatever we put out, is it going to kind of steer us? in a little slightly different direction, um, to more, to, to work that we just a little bit more enjoyable. Um, right. And then from, from my perspective, those types of videos, like for me, the, you know, it may not be the smartest thing from a financial perspective or a business perspective, but it is really cool when, when you can put your time that, you know, we're dedicating <clears throat> endless amounts of time or, or, our personal lives to this career. And it's so cool when that time is partially dedicated to create something that's that's kind of special, where you can look back years down the road and still get something from it. And, yeah. Um, and that's just that's just <clears throat> really cool because I even watched uh, the Important Places. I actually watched it yesterday, and you know, at that time when we made that film, when we were working with Forrest, like I I wasn't a father yet, and. I, I understood the importance of the relationship between Forrest and his dad and, and getting old. And now watching that film, now I have two kids and it just, it took on this whole different meeting and it was like hard to watch it and not get choked up. And it's, it's really cool to be able to create something like that where you can, 
almost inspire your future self. And that's right. just, and that's kind of the ultimate. If you, if we can continue to figure out a way to, to keep doing that here and there without driving our company into the ground, then I'm all for it. Right. Well, that's something that I feel like the, uh, the like sort of branding marketing, like it's something I've been talking to friends about a lot is this idea that's like, you, you want to put things out that are sort of self-selecting, right? That it's like, it's gonna, the people who are into it will be into it. And the people who aren't into it will be not into it. And I feel like, uh, for a lot of people I've talked to at least, and I've struggled with this, but there's this fear that like, like there could be a fear that's like, oh, if we put this out and whoever Coca-Cola comes and sees it, they're going to think we're a bunch of goobers and that we're not a serious production company. And like, do you guys deal with those fears with any of these sorts of projects of like, oh, this isn't the most polished produced thing we've done and people aren't are going to have some sort of thought about it? I, I think that I think Rambo Day in particular um, and, you know, we've done a sequel since called Rosso Day, which is just as ridiculous, if not more. Um, you know, I, I think it's such niche content, you know, so there really isn't much strategy there for sure. Um, and it's slightly vulgar and slightly, you know, all these various things that might rub people the wrong way. But I think we stand by the like the basic sentiment of it that it's putting positivity out there in the world and mm -hmm. you know i think that that is like maybe a um some sort of like a metric for the kind of work we want to put out there is just like does this video make you feel something and make you feel better at the end of it kind right. of thing you know um and even though there's plenty of goober <laughs> goober moments and things that are certainly not cinematography masterpieces um it it just gives a general sense of of um, like priorities and and also just uh, maybe logistically like maybe maybe Rambo Day of anything and Rasa Day show that we logistically can pull things off. That's um, true. So you know there there's some wild producing challenge that that thing that those videos came with too. So th there's some elements there in editing and, you know, there's different things that kind of shine throughout the, throughout those videos. So we, we, uh, I think we stand by them just from a purely, a purely like creative, um, enjoy perspective, you know, right. Um, we can be serious in other films, but like that, that was our time to just like have fun, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. It's that, cool too. That makes a lot of sense. I was going to say it's cool too because the those two films in particular are kind of interesting because they, um, just looking back on them, if they put any form of inspiration out into the world, I feel like, especially Rambo Day, what it did was it inspired people to kind of create their own experience, and that's really what that was. It was a, it was a completely memorable experience for everybody involved. I mean, especially myself, but um, but that's just a beautiful thing. I think people need. We need more social experiences with, with our friends and family and, and uh, you know, especially this day and age. So just getting out there yeah. and getting dirty and being an idiot, I think is pretty beneficial nowadays. Right. Well, that makes sense. And I think there's something to that, like, especially if you're defining success as like doing meaningful work, then I feel like that's helpful to then look at something like that and be like, okay, our goal isn't just like 
make Super Bowl commercials. It's to make meaningful things. And this maybe isn't a Super Bowl commercial, but it's a meaningful thing. And so it's part, it's a piece of that puzzle, right? And I think that's something that like, you know, I think we were briefly talking about this already, but it's something that like I've struggled with um, sometimes is this feeling of like, the stuff that I'm interested in and the stuff that I care about and the stuff that I think would be really fun to make versus sort of what you may think the industry or the community wants to see you doing, you know? Um, and I even, I mean, I struggle with that with this even, honestly, that I'm like, am I, by doing this, am I putting myself in a bucket for people that's like, you're another you know, Philip Bloom, whoever else, like YouTuber kind of guy. And it's like, that's not how I see myself and what I want to do. This is something that I like to do. And I don't know, I, I still wrestle with it, but I think for the most part, I've come down to like, if success for me is like getting to make a living, making things that I really like and getting to talk to people who I think are interesting and like all the levels for that. And this is a piece of that. I really enjoy these conversations. And if some people are going to be like, you're not a real filmmaker. It's like, well, fuck you guys then. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't hold on to that too much. And I think that's part of uh, what I've, that thing that I've respected about you guys is it seems like you're just sort of forging your own path and not feeling like you have to hold up all the little trophies along the way that most people do to like validate that they're successful, you know? Um, so I'd well, be curious. I, well, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just 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 on that on that point, like I think the thing we admire about you from afar is that like it seems like you do like you know you started a community, you you got this podcast going, like you're just you know you just just make it happen, and I think that that like all these passion projects that we do, there's ten or fifteen or twenty more that we've convinced ourselves aren't good enough to do, you know. So anything that makes it through that like kind of like filter of self-doubt or whatever is like trophy enough to like hold up to the world and be like hey we we did this you know <laughs> like we we yeah. convinced ourselves that it was a good enough idea like you the fact that you convinced yourself that it was a good enough idea to make a podcast and you're doing it and you know that you uphold this community and you you know all that sort of it's it's important stuff that you wake up each day and make things you know so I think, and, and um, not, only, not only that, I would I would add to that too, and say like this: what you're doing and what you're building here is meaningful work, because um, it's actually insanely helpful to people. Because these these career paths that anybody that's going to listen to this podcast is trying to follow, it's hard. It's super hard to become a DP or start a production company or anything in this world is really hard. And it's and I think people listen to conversations like this because it's almost like therapy. It's, it's, it's comforting to hear other people's struggles and challenges and other people's outlooks on, on their own career path. So this is insanely yeah. meaningful work as far as I'm concerned. So I, I give you a lot of credit for that. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so I'd be curious, I guess, because again, like it's just, I feel like I see little pop-ups from you guys over the last, like the whole time I've been doing this, because I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. How long have you guys been? Because I feel like my first awareness of you is when I was doing Lens Pro to go stuff way back in the day, and you guys were sort of also associated with them, but you were established by then, it at least seemed like. So how long has Gnarly Bay existed? Dan, you got that. Dan, Since Dan's going to go for that one. He's got a good answer. What's yeah. that? <laughs> Uh, establish. I don't. I don't know. I mean, what are we saying? What are we saying? It's don't hard get to. Us in it's trouble with the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We've been established. No, I mean, we established. It's like, I don't know. I mean, because Dan and I were doing this right out of high school, so we we right. started just. It was. 
we were do, you know, doing whatever we could to get our hands on, on making some sort of um, film or anything to do to kind of either get equipment or just kind of get things started. So that was a long time ago, but I, I, I would think, I mean, I guess maybe when we first started, be when we had our first employee. Maybe that's, when was that, Dan? We made it official. Evan, we're not supposed to be recording this, are we? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, no, Is this no, really no, that no, secret? Mean, no, no, no. Meaning, meaning, like literally, are we supposed to have pressed record oh, on shit. these cameras? Oh no, oh, you're shit. good. Okay, oh, no, you guys are good. We're good. <laughs> I just suddenly was like, "Damn it, should we have pressed record?" Um, no, yeah, no, we're good. So, <laughs> okay, cool, okay. cool. So, um, yeah, for, first employee was 2009. I mean, we had some pretty good clients by then. So, I mean, the first time we actually walked into an agency and we're like, I mean, so there's different tiers of work. Obviously, like you know, weddings. You know, that was definitely a tier of work that that worked for you know four or five years and got us to get equipment and all that sort of stuff. And then there was a couple agencies like Connecticut agencies that allowed us to work with bigger brands. And then we were able to put a couple logos like Schick and right. Royal Caribbean. And like, you know, that that's important stuff to like get your first paid gig that actually is with like a real company. Like that's not like a local shoe store, which was another yeah. video that we're locally famous for is making <laughs> one of the most <laughs> worst regional TV commercials of all time. Um, but, uh, or was it the best? We don't know. It might've been the best. It's hard <laughs> to say. Memorable, memorable. Yeah, me memorable. Um, yeah, but, go. but yeah, like as soon as you get a couple logos on, then you can make a reel that has a couple logos and then you can maybe start shopping some different agencies. And so right. I feel like that was like around 2009, which kind of collided with DSLRs. Right. Maybe, maybe 2007. Like we were, we were shooting some client work with, with, uh, lens oh, yeah. adapters and that sort yeah, of stuff. Sure. Um, so how old are you so guys? I'm, we I'm are, uh, closing in on 40. I'm 39. Okay, cool. 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 Yeah. And, and Dana Which just turned crazy. 40. So, um, yeah. So, so we, um, <laughs> so, so as far as, uh, you know, uh, like our first meeting at a, at an agency to like come in with a reel, you know, uh, maybe 2009 and like even, even understanding that a reel was a thing, you know, like I mm. think one of our, one of our first agency meetings was like, we rolled in with like a 10 minute video and like they, they lowered the lights and had a presentation and we watched like a 10 to 12 minute therapeutic riding video, a therapeutic horse riding video when they were trying to hire us to do like, uh, video videos for like higher education. So like, you know, we, we didn't have any sophisticated sort of sales strategy for a very, very long time, maybe up until this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think it's been always an evolving as far as evolving into like a real company, but then, yeah, like Dan yeah. says, 2000, 2010 was first employee. Gotcha. And then and then things became real. And so what's slowly, like slowly everything's been very slow. Yeah. I think if we were to like I I listened to something with Mr. Beast the other day, um, and he was talking about how he could his journey's been like seven years, and he thinks he could t tell somebody how to do it in like a year, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the same thing in a year. And I feel like you know our journey has been 20 years now. 
And like, I feel like in the, with the internet and the way things are that I feel like we could, we could have collapsed that into like five years, you know, like some, maybe, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I struggle with that though. Like, sorry, you go ahead, Dana. Well, Well, and and specifically because we we spent the first, we spent the first 10, 15 years, like pretty insulated in Rhode Island, you know, and not really reaching out too much, you know, because we felt like we like almost like had a little secret and we didn't want to tell anybody about it, you know? And it was like, well, not only that, we were were young too. Yeah. You know, we were, we were young and we were trying to, in the beginning, especially during the wedding time, it was like, we would make some money and then just disappear and go travel. And then we'd get an agency gig and then we'd go travel. And so we were like bouncing around (laughs) like vagabonds. We weren't, we weren't trying to, we were just trying to do whatever we could that was fun at the time. So it wasn't, it, it took a while. I think probably the first employee where we were like, okay, let's actually right. try to do this thing, you know? But I feel like that stuff, I don't know. I guess I'd be curious your perspective. Because from my perspective, again, just looking at, from the outside of you guys, it's like, I feel like that life experience is all like a valuable puzzle piece that builds into like future opportunities and all this other stuff. And that like, if you didn't have the reputation almost of being these like globe trotting dudes from Rhode Island, I don't know that, you know, it's one of those like, if you tried to take that piece out and just compress the puzzle, I think it would have played out totally differently, which doesn't necessarily mean worse, like that you had to do that. But I don't know. I, I guess I, I feel like in some ways, like there are chunks of my career that I look back at and I'm like, oh, you could just pull that three years out that felt like I wasn't doing anything. But there was like integral stuff in even the rest of life that was going on before work could really move to another level. Um, and that's something that like, I don't know when I when I look at like what you guys have done. I think that building what you have out of what you have and the time frame you have is is very cool. And that you know everyone wants to go from buying an A7S to working for Nike in five years. And I just don't think that's how it works, you know. And that's mm-hmm. at least that's what I tell myself. Maybe I'm too loose with myself on that. But I think uh, you know it takes time to build all the, especially with how mysterious this whole thing is. You know, like for as little information, it's not like building an e-com brand. Like it's a lot of just trial by fire. I feel like to figure out the logistics and the creative and the, how you meet with people and how you're positioning yourselves. And I don't know, I feel like you guys have done a pretty good job in the time frame you've had. Yeah. I, th- I think you, you convinced me at least to recon definitely reconsider that thought of collapsing the f- into like 20 years into five years, because, you know, I, I feel like there, you know, you're, you're almost like not prepared to learn lessons until you've, made a certain amount of mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, well, even, even just, even just almost like not ready to, you're, you're not ready to learn certain things until you've like been through the gauntlet enough, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think if we collapsed into five years, we probably would have crashed and burned, or at least I probably would have mentally I mean, that's, that's the thing that I look at. Like one of my first connections that I got, like literally a few months after getting a camera was the VP of marketing for Dunkin' Donuts. And I was like all excited that I had a connection to Dunkin' Donuts. And he was really nice, but of course it never went anywhere. But in hindsight, I'm like, dude, if I got anything with Dunkin' Donuts, it would have been a nightmare. Like I would have blown that so hard. Uh, and you know, you just needed a lot of those little failures to get to where you could even swing that at all, you know? Definitely. Yeah, we, we talk about one job in particular is a Nikon job that we did in 2010 where we, we got hired by McCann Erickson. Um, and we were just way in over our heads, you know, like we almost like 
chart our career as like before Nikon and after Nikon. Um, because it was like literally production Olympics. It was, there was babies, there was dogs, there was, it was four days. It was a, a prototype nice. camera. We had to shoot on Nikon. It was like, there was so many crazy, crazy things about it that almost like broke us over the course of that four or five days. And it was like this big moment of like, if we're going to do this, we either got to figure it out or, or we can't be doing this because it, it will literally like destroy us, you know, cause um, and I think that it took like the next 10 years to figure out what the mistakes were that we made in that one shoot, you know? So it definitely was trial by fire, but it also was like, oh, you, you've made it to a certain place where you're doing commercial work for a New York agency, but you have a lot to learn, you know? And yeah. we, we spent the next 10 years kind of refining processes, you know, and just yeah. understanding how important processes are, which, you know, might be getting tedious for people around here of us like reinventing and, you know, kind of like fine tuning and sharpening, uh, sanding the edges of, of kind of some of our, our, our processes, you know, but like, I feel like we're start starting to get somewhere, you know, we're starting yeah. to figure it out, you know? Well, I feel like I'd be interested to hear more of like what that looks like for you guys. Cause that's something that I've been talking to a lot of people lately about, um, across like all, all tiers of, are all roles within the industry of this idea that's like to get over this hump at a certain point, a lot of it comes down to process and preparation. And that like, I think uh, I, I'll just speak for myself again. Like you get so good at winging it and then you get good at like building little bits of support that feel like process and preparation around what's a lot of gut feeling and winging it. And then it's like, but eventually you sort of need to, to make this more codified, like, and especially as you have a team, cause it can't all just be in your guys' heads, you know? Um, so like, what could you share a little bit about like, what are some of the first processes maybe? And then like, what have been some of the, how does that look like for you guys now? Like, cause is, is it, it, it's not just, Hey, we have a bunch of money and we want you to make a video and then you show up and make a video and it's done, you know, like there's, there's steps that go into that. And could you guys talk about that a little? Oh yeah. We could probably talk about that for like three days straight. <laughs> hey, perfect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of obsessed with, with all of our processes that we've put in place and we've created uh, like 50 different docs for all sorts of different situations. And, um, but basically our, our processes, we, we use a, um, I mean, Dan, I don't know if you want to dive through the, like, where do you even begin with the, with our process that we put in place? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I, I think that like generally, cause I don't know how deep in the weeds you want to get as far as yeah, like, specific things, you know, it but, can get um, pretty nerdy pretty quick. But, so I don't know if we want to go all the way into it. Yeah. I, I almost I feel like the nerdy stuff is more interesting. Like I feel like most people probably know the basic stuff. So maybe not that we have to go into every layer of the onion, but like what's some of the stuff that you guys would consider like nerdy granular processes? Cause I think that's probably the stuff that people don't even think that people do, you know? Well, I, I think that that was kind of one of the things where it's just like, I think that uh, collapsing the journey, like, I don't think it we sh it should have taken us like 20 years to create like, like a solid Google Doc for scheduling or a solid Google Doc for pre-pro books or like those sort of things. And I think that that's where I'm saying that like, I think some of the journey can get collapsed where... Um, I read or I, I saw recently on some, some, uh, YouTube video, I think it was the guy from, what's it? His name, Con Jack Conti, maybe he's the dude who from, um, 
What's that? What's the? Uh, Is he the guy from Patreon? Patreon, yes, Patreon. So he's he's a pretty, you know, he makes some pretty cool videos, and I think he was talking about the Legoization of of the world and how yeah. like all these building blocks that people have to build on, and um, I get I guess like we've been building this Lego bo- Lego block of like production documents for like the past you know, five years uh, and different checklist apps and this, that, and the other thing, all this productivity stuff that you can watch a million different videos on YouTube about. And I think the oddest thing is that like, there's not like one specifically for production mm-hmm. um, because it's such a complicated, like it's just such a complicated conundrum. And you know, Google Docs is amazing and you know, Asana or ClickUp or Monday or all these different things. We've gone through all the different things, but there's not one thing that like, you know, kind of locks in the process. Um, and this isn't a, a plug whatsoever, but we've been we've been taking all of the knowledge that we have and we've been kind of um, co- collaborating behind the scenes with a company called Assemble. Um, and Dude, I'm they're so glad fin- you said that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're finally building the thing you know like yeah and it's it's so not i've been ready. using assemble yeah it's it's awesome yeah it's yeah. very cool and i've been talking to nate we're actually this is a this is a, now that we're accidentally into plug world if anyone listening to this uses code ssfc super secret Filmcast as an acronym they get a month free on assemble if they want to go check it out so i've been oh. using it it's super cool it's like studio binder and frame io and everything all had a baby that actually works for the kind of production that at least i do and probably that you guys do too because i've played with so many of these tools and never found any of them that integrated well and that it's so interesting that you guys are involved because i was like someone finally made something that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah well well, i think i think it can get better and better we actually you know we we've used it a little bit um but we're like we're trying to get a couple more features before we can really really dive in Um, but basically the the thing right now is that everything is so scattered with between google docs Google calendars, ClickUp. We, we use ClickUp uh, a lot and that's like a super nerdy tool, but it's like basically all the milestones of the process and the edit. And it took us a year and a half to like build something that actually functionally works with the team. Um, and still it's a little clunky, you know? So I think we're just looking forward to that Lego piece that like yeah. people can just come and build on. You know, it's like, I think that it. It is the boring stuff about creativity, but it's so necessary. Um, right. And I just think that like the there's going to be a brave new world where somebody can start a career and like literally have these rails to like ride their roller coaster on as soon as they come out the gate, which I think is yeah. is going to be amazing. You know, but it's it's almost there. Or it's it's you know I think assemble is just like a great. A gr- it's on a great path, you know, and yeah. so like we have a lot of love for. Frame.io, which I know Assemble is going to be a bit of a competitor with, but can't say enough good things about Frame.io, you know, as, as far as process right. goes. And, um, uh, but yeah, I don't know if that helps answer anything, if that's specific, uh, specific in general at the same time. You know? I, I think I would, I would add to that too and just say just in general, like that's one thing where our growth as far as growing as filmmakers, I, I, I feel like the majority of our growth has been invested into the pre-production process. And I think that's something early on where we would just show up, like when Dan and I were doing everything like 15 years ago, we'd just show up and be like, just hustle, sweat our asses off and just try to make shit happen. And, and now 
as we're trying to make more like sophisticated films, we realize that it's everything is pre-production. It's we put mm-hmm. so much time and and you know all of these docs and everything. It's like it's so important, especially if you're working with a bigger team. If you have if your team grows and you know you have thirty people, you need to be able to communicate everything really clearly. Right. And and that vision that vision that you're trying to bring to life needs to rain down through every step of the process, and that's right. like from the initial phone call with a client all the way through to the very last you know approval of the final master file. It's like it's all a process. I mean, I, we are just that's why I said we could talk about it for like three days because it's, it's yeah. literally like your your project is only as strong as as your process that you have in place, and that's just right. I feel like that's kind of fact nowadays. It's like, because otherwise, you, I mean, you can pull, you can make things happen, but you're going to kill yourself doing it. There's no longevity right, right. in just like winking it on a large scale, you know? Right, totally. Well, and it, I think it's hard at a certain point too, even just to like sell getting lucky, you know? It's yeah. like yeah. clients at a certain point to do big, excellent things need to see a process and to know that you are being intentional about things. Um, I would be curious, that- sorry, go ahead. Well, well, I was going to say from a client perspective too, that's, it's insanely important because our, our goal, like we're so, we're so on it when it comes to process that we literally want, we want to provide peace of mind for any client. Like we want to be like a breath of fresh air, like clients in the agency world, they're already stressed out enough. They have a million things they got to deal with. The last thing they need is to hire a production company. That's just like, Oh fuck, is this going to happen? You know, like we literally, that's why we have so many processes right even down to like the way we email and the way we communicate on phone calls and everything. It's like, it's all process driven because what we want to provide is like the, when the client communicates with us and interacts with us, there's just like, ah, oh, it's like a moment of Zen. Like they don't have to, like we literally just like we're a stress free moment in their day. And that's right. like the ultimate goal. If we can do that throughout the entire process, then we are going to, you know, hopefully create a, not only create an, an awesome product, but create a badass relationship that's just going to last, you know, year after right. year. So. Right. And create a lot of, you know, confidence, which I think is financially valuable to clients as well, you know, yeah. which is, is a big thing. Um, so yeah, th- I'm think, curious, uh, sorry, go ahead, yeah. Dan, Dan. We're, we're, uh, we're called Gnarly Bay. So right off the, right out the gate, I think they think we're going to be nonchalant. So if we, you know, if we <laughs> over deliver with processes, they, that they're going to be like, oh, okay, those surfer hippie dudes actually know what they're doing, you know, and, and they feel like they can invest, you know, uh, you know, cause these are big investments for people. So we want to make yeah. sure they feel like, you know, it's, it's a good process. Um, the, the, the team, if they hear this will probably roll their eyes. Cause I say this so, so much, but, uh, Kanye has the line, everything I'm not makes me everything I'm uh, everything I am. And that's like the way we like to approach it from the beginning is we have all these check boxes that we work through with the client that creates a scope of work that basically considers everything, but then checks the boxes for who's responsible for, for all the different things, you know? So, cause I think it's important to at least consider, do you, you know, do you need an animal wrangler? Do you need a prop assistant? Do you need like, if the box isn't checked, it's saying very early on that, 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 isn't a part of the process, you know? So, um, at least presenting that early in the process is like a good way to communicate with everybody involved, you know? Right. That makes a lot of sense. So for you guys, like, um, are you doing mostly agency work at this point? I don't know what the breakdown is. I think it's like, uh, what do you think? 50, 50, it like slides, you know? Okay. 
Well, because um, I guess what I was wondering is, because I was going to ask, like, there's a lot of logistical process, and I'm always curious about people's creative processes, um, but I feel like that can shift. You know, obviously, it's very different if you're in an agency situation where there's sort of very baked-in creative or not, or when there's a client that has, like, a big idea or a totally open world. And so, like, how do you guys... Do you thrive in one of those situations more? How do you deal with that as for as far as ideation? Do you prefer people to already have really strong ideas and we're just executing? Like, what are your thoughts on creative process? It, it's it's funny because as I think about it more, it does feel like we're doing more direct to client right now, hmm. sort of, or direct to internal agencies. Or so it's it's really like all over the place as far as like how how far along creative is. Um, but we do, we do it all, I guess, you know, so we have to kind of shape shift with any different client and kind of when it comes time for us to have a, a more input on creativity, you know, that we have a process in place for that and dates set for that and, you know, pitch, pitch decks and pitch materials and all the, all this sort of stuff that can, make our investment of time worthwhile because that's like the one of the conundrums the creativity conundrum of like not being able to bill for creative ideas you know um i would imagine a lot of people struggle with that like of somebody comes to you the phone rings they say hey can you come up with some sort of a concept for this and then you have to kind of whip a concept out of thin air with the hope that and the not and the like confidence that you can not waste your time by spending a week or two on the concept and then pitching them and winning the business. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's like, do you deal with that a lot? Do you, do you, do you direct to like where you have to come up with the concept or you work more, um, or do you work more with agencies where they're hiring you specifically as a DP? I mean, I've definitely done, I've done, I've done some of both. I've done a lot more DP stuff by volume at this point, which is, you know, even more so I think than being a production company is pretty plug and play. Um, but I, you know, COVID really kicked me back into direct to client work a lot, um, because all the travel DP stuff just evaporated. Um, and that's where it was sort of an interesting thing. And it's something, I guess I've been, I've been trying to challenge a little bit because I've seen some people do it really well, but I'm, I'm not dogmatic about it, but I guess I've been feeling this thing that's like, if you're in a position where you've positioned yourself well and a client really likes your work and they need ideas, I don't think it's unreasonable to require some sort of like commitment or engagement before you get all into that. Um, and a big thing I read, um, which it's it's not rocket science, but uh, this guy Blair Ends has a book called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto that's really, really good. Uh, but he sort of gets into this whole thing of um, basically how to break out of that cycle of like being forced to pitch against people and the overhead that comes with it and everything else. And I think to me, one of the m most interesting things about that is that like the the idea is so often the most valuable part, right? Like the idea is what so much of this hinges on and the like getting people to show up and, you know, having gear and people there on the day is 
not it's not easy, but it's not rocket science. But it's like a good idea really makes or breaks a difference. And so I think there is like a shift that needs to happen on our side of the industry almost to be like, no, this is valuable. We don't give away the most valuable part in the hope that you give us the like labor money for free, you know? Um, and so I know there's different perspectives on that. And I don't know, I've been interested to talk to other people, but I find that the clients who really want to work with me on stuff are usually willing to like make that commitment. And that the people who just want to bid you out against like five other people and get a bunch of pitches really just want free ideas, you know? And it's like, I don't, when I'm on the client side, I don't want to do that to people. Like, I don't want to be like, hey, give us your ideas. And then I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing. And I think especially in the agency world, it's sort of just like come to be expected as normal. But I don't think it's necessary, if that makes sense. Like, I think you could fight to not do it that way. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I think I think from our perspective, you know, whatever way it happens, whether whether an agency is is bringing us an idea or we need, we're required to come up with the concept on our, on our side. Um, once it's prior to the project getting greenlit is a little bit wishy-washy, you know, like that's where it's that finding that balance of how much time you're going to invest into trying to win the work. But once it's greenlit, right. the, um, our process is pretty much the same for, for either, either path. And, and, um, you know, it's just, once the project's greenlit, it, everything gets dropped into a really detailed schedule and those responsibilities are mapped out in our scope of work for who's responsible for what. And the creative ideation part um, is a big part of that. And a lot of times we are responsible for that. And it's, and we put a lot of time into, um, you know, mapping out our story structure. You know, what is the three act structure that we're going for? And basically from that very first step, we're already starting to think of what our post guys are gonna receive on the back end. And, and how are we, you know, what are we putting together that's going to help communicate with them once they get the footage? So weeks before, before anybody sets on set, steps on set, we're trying to map out what is the, what's the backbone of this film? What's the story structure? Who are, who are characters? Who are the special characters? How do these characters kind of rise and fall throughout the storyline? And, and what's the vibe going to be? What's the music? What's the pacing? Everything is really, we put a lot of time into kind of thinking, thinking through those um, creative steps up front so that when we do step on set, it's like we're super prepared and ready to rock and roll. Um, right. even, even when it comes to trying to find something special, like we're always, you know, you could get a three-act structure, but it's like, is there any, like, anything special that we can kind of layer on top? And it's like we're always pushing ourselves to try to find, like, unique metaphors or, or subtle, subtle messaging that we can kind of sprinkle throughout or... Um, but I don't know. So, so that's a, it's definitely part of the process and it's usually mapped out and there's, there's milestones and it's all mapped out in the calendar and yeah, it falls on Dan's shoulders. And, uh, <laughs> so Dan does a lot yeah. of our script writing and, and he usually miraculously whips out some amazing script, which is kind of cool. So we're lucky to have him. One of the, one of the things, uh, at least important to mention is, is sometimes like the, even before it gets greenlit, like sometimes, you know, that, that pitching process of, of and I, I'd love to read that book because that sounds wonderful to, yeah, to win here. things without pitching. Because I feel like I feel like there were years there where we were kind of miraculously kind of, when we had good agency connections, you know, agencies would just trust us and be like, hey, we got this new project, got this new project. And it was, it was easier. But when you go direct to client, um, it is a lot more pitching, you know, and mm -hmm. we've found... Um, success and, you know, 
I wouldn't say failure, but like a little bit of head scratching with uh, making animatics really early in the process because I think from the very beginning, we, we've never been like great at like design or like designing pitch decks or this, that, and the other thing. Like um, we always, like even back in, back to high school or college, it was like when it was public speaking time, I was just like, well, I know how to make a video. So if I don't, mm -hmm. like if I can make a video, I don't have to stand up in front of this class for, you know, for 10 minutes and talk. Um, right. a, a video was always the best way to get to our ideas. Our, our ideas out there and make somebody feel something as quick as possible. And so we've always been a proponent of like making animatics to, to win business, you know, um, putting some music, putting some images, using our archive of footage, you know, to kind of like sprinkle into a little edit that's like, you know, that can be shown. A lot of times we do a Squarespace um, site, mm -hmm. you know, so we, we have like a pretty formulaic, like, you know, uh, couple blocks of text, you know, whether it be approach and, um, uh, you know, synopsis and approach and, and like techniques and, you know, these kind of blocks of text that we do, but a lot of, a lot of times we hope that it pays off with like a little bit of an animatic that somebody can just press play, sit back and be like, Oh, those guys either totally get it or they're at least excited. And, um, motivated to to make this video uh and they want this business kind of thing so that's been um i think we lost evan no you're good my camera died <laughs> oh <laughs> that, that's uh that's eventually going to happen with our cameras here I'm i know we're oh shit yeah that's it for this episode this is a good reminder that you should always check the battery level on your camera before you go into doing an extended podcast recording. If this podcast was helpful, please give it a like, leave us a rating and review, share it with a friend. We're really trying to build the audience and we have some really cool guests lined up. I'm not one for teasing, but you may have seen on my Instagram stories recently that Greg Frazier has agreed to come back on the podcast at some point soon. We're just working out scheduling, but uh, it helps us get big guests when we have people who listen to the show. So if you like the show, tell a friend, send a link, put it on Instagram, do whatever you're gonna do, go raise awareness because it helps us bring this kind of content to you. If you wanna check out the guys at Gnarly Bay's work, you can check out their Vimeo, their Instagrams, we'll have that all linked in the description. And if you wanna learn more about our sponsors, you can visit assemble.tv or the core group website, which will be linked below. Thank you guys so much, we'll see you next week. <laughs>